Shut up and sit down. I've been playing this um, spades game on my phone. It's by AI Factory. It's an app on Android um, in, in the Google Store, and it probably is in other stores too. Anyway, I've been playing it, and I, my partner, now I play with the computer. I'm not playing with real people. This is important for you to know this, because my partner went Neil, and if you play spades, you know what that means. And if you don't, I really don't have time to explain that shit to you. Anyways, I set her like. Not on purpose, but on accident. But I actually could have covered her card, and I wasn't paying attention. And I apologized. I said, oh, sorry. Like, she's a real person. (laughs) That's my confession. I've been talking to my phone for weeks now, but I apologized to my spades partner for for setting her. Yeah, I did. I certainly did. Tonight we're going to do a podcast. I'm a plot drift on urban fantasy. Since we're coming up on November, we're going to be all doing urban fantasy um, ideas and hopefully uh, uh, you guys can um, um, kind of listen to this process that me and Julie are going through tonight and um, just see what percolates for you. I actually... I'm kind of on the fence about what I'm going to write for November. I haven't really decided yet. I have a couple of ideas, but um, I'm just I'm I'm really genuinely on the fence about it. Um, I'm not sure about Jilly. Um, <clears throat> we were also focused on um, July for so long, and but you know when we first shaped the Blue Moon Challenge, um, I had a whole bunch of ideas all at once, but then I set them aside to work on July and. Um, the the Revenant idea really when I had that idea it was so organic I'm gonna put um Jilly on the phone because she was actually with me when I had that idea but anyways Lady Holder is out having a life for those of you who are deeply invested in my friendship with Lady Holder and I don't you get really weirded out when she's not around and you think I've I've dumped her or something like some high school girlfriend um she is out with her husband having movie and dinner and having a life. And I'm not even mad. I mean, it's a timeshare. He has to have his turn. It is his turn. Um, so, yeah. You do what you got to do, right? I'd have apologized to the computer, too. <laughs> Man, it was bad. She played the ten of hearts, and I had the ace, and I didn't play it. <sighs> Dude, I mean, you know, I had a, I had a, um, a, a live partner when I was bidding a nil, leading me with a two of hearts, mm-hmm. and they didn't apologize. And there's just no excuse for that shit. <laughs> none, no excuse, none, none, none. I mean, I was there was there was death glare going on. When that two of hearts dropped. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <sighs> You don't leave a two to your partner when they're going nil. That's just wrong. Okay. It's, it is a timeshare. You do have to share Lady Holder with her husband, as unfair as that might be. And her cat sometimes. Her cats are really demanding. They are. 
are. Sometimes They're bossy. Your parents get involved. They're just all in our business. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I was talking about Revenant, and um, really, honestly, I probably should have saved Revenant for um, November because as I've I've worked through my episodes, I do feel like the episode process. Um, hasn't worked well for the idea, and I would have been much more comfortable exploring Revenant in a in a novel format. But be that as it may, when I first had the idea, I was um, listening to uh, this playlist on YouTube with Johnny Cash songs because I was actually plotting and writing "Hold My Coffee," and this song came on. And Johnny Cash is in this song with Willie Nelson and um, Chris Christopherson, um, and it's called "The Highwayman." And if you've never listened you, to it, she, you need to go over to YouTube and listen to it. She sends go me ahead. a link to it. She goes, I got my idea for July. And I I, I, I immediately listened to the song, and I went, what idea? Because <laughs> I was totally befuddled. But then when she started explaining it, I was like, oh, okay. Now, the right, song get, I'll get a about, the, um, the song is about um, dying over and over and over again, but continuing on um, about being a highwayman, about being a space captain and just living forever. And I thought that would be really interesting. What could I do with that? What? Um, and then it kind of hit me that, you know, what if there were people on earth who did live forever and they were um, living their lives over and over again. But I didn't want to do reincarnation because I've already done reincarnation and I wasn't comfortable with it, which is why my project fell apart. I just couldn't get it to work in my brain. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to try again in the future. They're all the revenant. That, that That's the point. They're all traveling, or really they're all the same person um, mm-hmm. in the song, and he's moving from one life to another. He was on a ship, he was on a boat, he was on a dam, he was a highwayman, he was a horse thief, you know, and um, and then he's a space captain near the end, because he goes on and on and on, and that's where Revenant came from, and I'm bringing this up because, and we had talked about whether or not I was going to talk about this or not, but then I got really irritated again before the podcast started, and that several people on Rough Trade during this month kept asking me where the original content was for the Revenant, so they could go read it. And I know I I'm going to take it for granted that they actually didn't mean to imply that I was incapable of thinking of that on my own. That there had to be some kind of um, that that, I, that that part was fan fiction as well. I'm going to take it on faith that that they weren't trying to insult me that way. But that's how I ended up feeling like repeatedly over and over and over again. People were like, I went to Google and I couldn't find the original. That's because there isn't a fucking original. That's it. That's it right there. Anyway, it just... I am genuinely capable of having an idea on my own. I am not just a fan fiction writer. And quite frankly, I like to think that my fan fiction stands out in a great way that I can actually strip almost all of the fandom elements out of my work and present it as original. I think you could. And not that I would because I don't believe in that shit, but I'm just, you know, come on, people. And honestly, when I have done fusions, when I have done crossovers, I always list them. Why would I not list them on Revenant? I 
anyway, it just really irritated me. It just really, it really, really super irritated me. And also, it, you know, to be honest, it was kind of hurtful to, to encounter that over and over and over again. The implication that they just automatically assumed that it wasn't, that it couldn't possibly be my idea. That I had to have gotten it from somewhere. Anyway. Or drawing parallels between not, it and something else, like the trill or, you know, which is not the similar even. Which never the even crossed my mind because God, both the gold and the trill are parasites. Yeah, so. Anyways, um, listen to that song. Listen to it. Go, not right now because you're supposed to be listening to me. <laughs> But later on, go over to YouTube, look it up, Johnny Cash, the Highwayman, and um, I, I hope you see it because it's right there. The whole thing it just kind of bloomed, and and you know, and that kind of inspiration when it happens, it's like it's really startling. Um, yeah, Sybil, I guess I could take that point that that it was so full of an idea that it had to have come from somewhere, I just really wish they would have acknowledged that it probably came from me. Because I never not, when I do a crossover or I do a fusion, I always list them. Anyways, it was just, it was really insulting and it happened repeatedly during the challenge and it really threw me off my game and because I do moderate most of the comments on Rough Trade I had no escape from it and the thing is is normally I'm very thick skinned on that shit you'd not believe the stuff I delete during Rough Trade that I don't even blink click 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 I don't care click 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 delete 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 fuck you delete 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 double bird you asshole delete 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 (laughs) (laughs) but those comments made me pause and I would be like God damn it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I was we were we were tossing all of them in the trash, um, automatically. Not automatically, it's not automatic about it. the minute I'd see a comment about, Oh, were you inspired by this, were you inspired by that? Um I was like, she was inspired by Johnny Cash. Um, but I was just, and then and people asking, you know, where did this idea come from? I was just tossing in the trash, but Kira's the one that cleans the trash out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes we get a little aggressive with our deleting. So she has to decide if she wants to pull them out and respond to them or not. Sometimes she does pull them out, you know. But, yeah, we were just chucking them all in the trash. Oh, this is just like the trail. No, it's not. Delete. <laughs> delete. Delete. <laughs> yeah. Asshole, delete. <laughs> I think we probably deleted upwards of 200 comments this time during Rough Trade. Um, we got... Uh, A visit from an NCIS writer um, with a history in the fandom, and we got an influx of new readers who didn't know how to behave. Um, and the end result was is that we had to delete a whole bunch of comments, and that writer eventually left the challenge because she was harassed offsite. Uh, I can't control that. I mean, I I wish I could, um, because I would I would ruin many a troll's life if I could. Um, but yeah. Anyways, we're going to do an urban <laughs> fantasy plot drift to kind of explore different concepts um, for the challenge coming up. So you guys, if you haven't got your inspiration yet, you don't know where you're going to go, um, th- th- this will be um, so some exercises that you can do and kind of work through as we're going 
you know, do it along with us and just kind of let your brain kind of open up to the idea of doing an urban fantasy and um, all that jazz. I just made jazz hands. <laughs> all that jazz. Spirit fingers. <laughs> the other day I went to pick up my sister from work and um, uh, she uh, was standing there on the um, sidewalk waiting on me, right? And I pull up and she's just in her own little world. <laughs> and I did the most southern thing you guys will ever ever imagine. I rolled down my window, I pushed the button, because it's not I rolled down anymore. It's kind of weird to say roll down, isn't it? When it doesn't actually roll down anymore. For those of you who don't have any idea, I'm talking about cars used to come with a little thing that you rolled the window down, literally. You dialed it down. If you're that young, you probably shouldn't be up this late or listening to adult content. So go to bed, young lady. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I rolled down the window, stick my hand up in the air, do spirit fingers, and went, yahoo! And she she immediately looked up and came over and got in the car. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> that is literally the southernest thing you can possibly do. What was it? Who was it that visited? Uh, there was some politician. I want to say it was Bush that did this. That went to Canada and said that they were all very friendly. They waved at him with all five fingers. <laughs> it's just such an odd statement, you know, the Canadian five finger wave. <laughs> so since my parents <laughs> live in Canada, so since my parents live in Canada, so you know, um, so we talk about the Canadian five finger wave in my family, and um, like my mom will say, um, your pop says goodbye, he's waving at you. I said with all five fingers, I want to be sure I haven't offended the Canadian. <laughs> she says yes, it's a full Canadian five finger wave. Which to me is spirit fingers. That's all I can think of, right? It's a bunch of Canadians <laughs> doing spirit fingers at the president. <laughs> he would have been so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When he was in office, I was deeply, deeply unhappy about it. But now I miss him. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I miss him, too. I, I mean, who knew you could be as nostalgic over Bush? But there you go. <laughs> he seems almost innocent in comparison, doesn't he? He does. Like a little boy. Like that like that one picture where he's so obviously so excited and happy to get a hug from from Michelle Obama. Like he could not be happier in his life. <laughs> <laughs> from Michelle Obama. He looks like a five-year-old. He looks so innocent. And you're thinking, aw, look at him. He's so happy. <sighs> I miss him. And it, but you don't too. really miss him. But when you compare it to what we currently got, <sighs> I miss yeah. the fuck out of George W. Bush. <laughs> but we, got, we can't discuss politics anymore. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can just, we, can, we can be all nostalgic for Bush, but we can't uh, discuss it any further. I do miss him, though. Anyway. <laughs> well, I never thought there'd come a point in my life when I would think back on him fondly. But there you have it. <laughs> Good times. Remember when you stood on the pre- on the ship and said, victory? <laughs> Mission accomplished. Like, victory. 
Mission accomplished. Yay. <laughs> oh. oh. Anyway. He was so naive. It's Urban cute. fantasy. <laughs> Magic, werewolves, vampires, crazy things happening in the night. Um, as long as it's happening in a city. <laughs> Fairies. What else? Trolls. I don't see why not trolls. I mean, trolls. You don't typically think of trolls in urban, but I, I, I'm all, I'm all about urban trolls. I support urban trolls. I don't see any point in discriminating against them. <laughs> well, in that new um, show, that that new movie is going to be on Netflix. Bright. Um, Will Smith's partner is a troll. Or an orc. I can't remember. I can't remember which one. He's an orc or a troll. If you go look at the preview for um, the yeah the um, the the trailer for Bright, his his partner is not human. I don't know what he is. Troll, orc, <laughs> something. <laughs> Let's look at some examples of urban fantasy on TV. Um, you've got. Practically anything in the MCU that's on TV would be considered urban fantasy. He's forced to work with an orc. Jessica Jones is an orc. It's an yeah. orc. <laughs> Jessica Jones, um, Daredevil. Uh, what's the other guy? What's the other one? Um, they're all they're all on Netflix. Uh, the Invincible Guy. Anyways, um, Midnight Texas, of course, um, Charmed. Um, Buffy was urban fantasy, even though it was sort of a small town. But True you, Blood. You know, True Blood. True Blood. Um, the original Beauty and the Beast series. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Teen Wolf would be urban fantasy. All those crazy Luke vampire Cage, shows. You. All those crazy vampire shows count. Um, the one that Alex Lachlan was in before that didn't last for very long. Con- What's that one called? Constantine Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. Forever Night. Yeah. I fucking Grimm. Grimm is an awesome example of urban fantasy. I fucking love the original Beauty and the Beast. I fucking loved it. I watched it every chance I got. It hit Hulu or Netflix, I don't remember, and I binge-watched it. It's like, yeah, I was so excited. It wasn't as great as I remember it being, but I was a kid when I watched it. (laughs) Now, I would say in modern um, urban fantasy, there often are elements of sci-fi that intrude. Um... Some of them are futuristic, but I think that the defining characteristic, the defining line between, you know, sci-fi is that the fantasy elements outweigh the science fiction elements to make it urban fantasy. Because if you have a primarily sci-fi, futuristic thing, and you have, like, one fantasy element, then I would still call that sci-fi. I agree. Um, The Librarians, I think, definitely qualifies as urban fantasy. Yeah, definitely. 
the one line that I think I'm probably going to end up crossing more than I mean to is um, uh, the, the paranormal fantasy versus urban fantasy. Paranormal romance versus urban fantasy. Because um, I am a romance writer, and um, it's, it's what I prefer. Um, and a paranormal romance can be an urban fantasy, but an urban fantasy can't be a paranormal romance. <laughs> Because okay, in that order to qualify as urban fantasy, you have to be able to remove the romance completely and the story stand on its own. So, so it's sort of like your romance has to be a subplot, not the primary plot. It it yeah, it has to be a subplot. Um, and there are there are a couple of ways you can get around that. You can have an established relationship, um, and make sure that none of the conflict for your central plot, um, is comes from that relationship or you can keep it Jen and not have a relationship at all I do think that the relationship element is one area where Teen Wolf kind of falls off the plot when it comes to urban fantasy because a lot well, of times, if any, well, um, if anybody could stay with anybody from, from for five what I've seconds, seen, well, from what I've seen, a lot of their per, a lot of personal relationships and romantic connections drive the plot in Teen Wolf. I would say the episode plots, but I don't know that I think that they drive the overall arc. And I think that that's kind of because you have the same thing going on in um, oh, the Anita Blake series where um, there are some of the books that are more relationship-focused, but the overall mm-hmm. arc, well, the arc, I think from what I've heard, uh, it, it's not, it wasn't something I did that appealed to me, but from what I've heard, the arc eventually started skewing more towards romance, but it didn't start that way. Um, it just sort of went that way eventually. But I think you, if, if you I have a really... For, for groups like... Um, gr- um, group sex porn, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, I think I think you can have if you have a really big arc, you can have individual stories in the arc, like Teen Wolf or or two or three episodes that have a romance thrust to them. Um, as long as your overall plot arc of the series, movie, books, whatever, um, doesn't isn't isn't about you know the romance plot line. But most people, the thing is, most people aren't going to be writing enough in one month to be able to make that distinction. So, okay. you know, so you, you kind of have, you can't say, oh, well, I'm just doing romance now and my bigger plot arc is going to be, you know, not focusing on the romance. That just kind of doesn't work. You're not really, it's not really satisfying the challenge if, you know, you start off hot and heavy on the romance. I mean, I figured from from the last time we talked about this, um, I felt like I didn't want – I toyed with the idea of Jen, not Jen or how to handle that, um, and I just decided established relationship would probably be easier because it's hard for me to have – I would just be constantly writing chemistry in unintentionally if I um, – Tried to do a gen <laughs> plot line. And um, I, it's just easier just to have it be an established relationship. I'll be asking you, where are they going to fuck? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going, what is this? Is that happening in this chapter? No. Really? No, they're not fucking yet? You mean they're never going to fuck? Huh. Oh, God. Come on. Um, 
So, <clears throat> my brain's like Swiss cheese suddenly. <clears throat> oh, well, on that note, um, I would say that Quantum Leap is sci-fi and not paranormal. I mean, not um, urban fantasy. Yeah, I agree. Time travel, unless it's time travel by magic, um, time tra- most time travel we see tends to fall more into the sci-fi. Um, like, what's that one, that awful show that was new last year um, that dealt with time travel? Where they were going back to try to keep historical events in place. Dreadful. Um that was definitely, even though every it, everything you know had historical. He spent most of the time in the past, so it had a historical bent to it. I would definitely call that a sci-fi show. I think the Ghost Whisperer qualifies as urban fantasy. I agree. I think once you're dealing with um, um, psychic phenomenon of any kind, including spirits and mediums and that kind of thing, I think you've hit in the urban fantasy. Um, somebody asked, where do we fall question about? Just, where do we end up falling on the question of whether an urban fantasy is take place in a city or is that a preference? No, it has to be urban. Um, but I have read some um, articles that on writing sites where it's just that there are fantasy elements in a modern setting. But then you know what? I I don't know if I agree with that because if I put vampires in a western town in the 1600s, I'd call that urban fantasy. I would definitely say Lucifer's urban fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree that Lucifer would be urban. Once you get into you know, any kind of um, angels, angels, demons, that kind of thing. Especially in L.A., um, you've definitely hit on urban fantasy. A team will takes place in a small town, but it still qualifies as urban fantasy. Yeah, it, I think it's. I think it's just urban fantasy. It's not um, like Hogwarts to me would not be urban fantasy. It feels too much like you're in the past. Now you could do you could do a Harry Potter thing to me where it mostly took place, you know, in London, and I would call that not. It doesn't have to exclusively take place, right? It's all very wishy washy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is all very wishy washy. <laughs> I think steampunk is steampunk. Steampunk is a very distinct genre on its own. It stands out um, in very distinct ways. It's it's not urban fantasy. It's not fantasy. It's not sci-fi. It's steampunk. Yeah, I think steampunk is a kind of a different vibe. It has a different tone. Yeah, it's just it's um, it's very defined um, in my mind, and I um, you don't want to cross those streams. 
because um, then you'll have people like, oh, this is not really an urban fantasy, you know. <sighs> okay, the TV Tropes page for urban fantasy says, urban fantasy, also sometimes called modern fantasy, is a genre that combines common fantasy conventions with a modern setting. Note, that is to say, a setting which is significantly more advanced than the medieval European fantasy popularized by Tolkien. Around the Enlightenment or Industrial Revolution is sometimes considered the absolute earliest an urban fantasy could take place, though it may depend upon portrayal. The name urban fantasy is sometimes taken to imply that all works in the genre must take place in a large city, but this is not the case. Rather, the name implies throwing fantasy elements into our urban society. Still, it's very common for urban fantasies to take place in a large, well-known city, all the easier for their fantasy elements to hide themselves in. Um, I think the key phrase in that definition, this is somebody else commenting on that part of the article, I think the key phrase is um, our urban society. And the idea is that um, any kind of modern urban or, you know, fairly urban um, town or city because the way dictionary defines urban, but that really teeny tiny small towns would, probably would not qualify. Dark elves hanging out at the Folsom Street Fair. I'll try to sneak that in for you, Chris. <laughs> Although I say, I'm thinking more towards Faye, actually. Yeah, I think Faye. I think more magic. I want to work with fairies. I'm considering a mutant AU. I, you know, I don't know. I'm on the fence about the whole thing. I just don't know. I think I, I'm thinking more of a... Th- th- there is an element with urban fantasy, fantasy of the hidden. Um, I kind of want to throw that out the window. I, I, I'm all about exposure. I don't want to work with the, the 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 trope of the hidden fantasy elements, you know, like you know, like werewolves nobody knows about or whatever. Um, so I think I want to do something more. Um, everyone knows about it. Everybody's it's somehow it's somehow in life in modern life. Um, yeah, I would call Dresden Files modern fantasy. Not modern, urban fantasy. Sleepy Hollow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleepy Hollow definitely has a very strong urban fantasy element. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a headless horseman. I don't know what else you could call that, but fantasy. <laughs> Not trying to <laughs> That's a little outside the norm. Norm right there. So what fandom, Kira? What fandom? What fandom? Um, I will never, ever, ever, ever. do original work, work right again. Ever. 
I had thought about it until I saw what happened to Kira when she published um, Fall for You and people going and commenting about her fan fiction or making remarks about uh, on, on her reviews for Fall for You. Uh, that's just, it was so... I don't mind the fan fiction comments. I did mind the people complaining about me putting Fall for You out professionally for sale after offering it for free on Rough Trade and naming Rough Trade on reviews that are on Amazon. Yeah. Well, and people making comments like, well, there's really, this isn't really any different than what I saw on Rough Trade. I don't know why I paid for this. That I was like, well, you whiny bitches. Except they only read 32,000 words on Rough Trade because I didn't finish the book on Rough Trade. So it's impossible for them to have read the whole thing. I didn't finish yeah. it six months after that rough trade ended. <clears throat> so, yeah, I will never, ever, ever do original fiction on rough trade again. Unless I don't plan to sell it. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I wouldn't. I might do shorts in the in the chat, in the forum, but... Um, but yeah, it was terribly rude. It was just really rude and entitled and, and very much a a bullshit thing to do. The only thing worse was that one person who um, critiqued me using my own words from a fucking podcast. I said in a Ew. podcast that one of my biggest issues as a writer was falling action um, and I don't do action scenes well. And someone quoted, not not quoted, but actually used my own words against me in a, re- in a review of my book on Amazon. And that's just, that's just, you know. Tacky. It is. Tacky. Yeah, that's how my mother found out about what Rough Trade was called. It was from reading the review. Because <laughs> she, loved, she loves that book. I mean, she's like your biggest fan on that book. <laughs> And she's like, what's rough trade? Was this online first? And I was like, I did like, what, 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 what now? <laughs> and that's how I found out that there were these reviews, because my mom asked me about it. And I went and read them, I'm like, those fucking whores. And if I just called you a whore, I don't care. You're a whore. <laughs> like, how, how dare you? And so actually because of that, I just because I had been planning from the my next rough trade project to do an original work. And I said, uh I will never publish original work, put original work on rough trade. And um um when people ask about writing original work on rough trade, you know, I tell them you can, but you know, if you want to publish it later, you got to be prepared for these consequences. And before that, I had actually encouraged people to explore original work on Rough Trade. Um, I thought it would be a, a nice, safe place to do that, but it's not. And I'm sorry for that, but it's just not. I mean, I can control what happens on Rough Trade, but I can't control these assholes that are going to go to your professional listings um, if you get published and bitch about your work costing money um, after they read it for free. Yeah. Because that's just that is exactly rude. why we can't have nice things. <clears throat> You're absolutely right, Rogue. Anyways, okay, um, I'm on the fence about whether or not I want to do, because it's easy. Yeah, but he also got flack for it, Dark. 
Dart said um, in the chat room that The Martian was written online, and that worked out pretty damn well. It worked out very well for him, but he also got crap from people, from readers who read it online, who bitched about having to buy it um, to get a, um edited copy. And his shit got pirated heavily as a result. His final got pirated on the published copy. And everybody gets pirated. But there was a maliciousness in that about the pirating of his book. Yeah, then they turn around and pirate it. You know, it's just it's a never-ending circle. Because it's once you offer, once you people get in this mindset of once you give put it up anywhere for put it up anywhere they can read it for free, um, that they should never have to pay for it. Um, there's this 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 entitlement how dare you? that just yeah, how dare you try to make money on this? And um, you know, so. Yeah, and it's it's painful that rough trade readers of that of the, that we have any rough trade readers that are of that mindset. But I guess I mean we have we have a there's a core group of readers on rough trade that I know are really great. Um, but there's a lot of people who read on rough trade. So um, yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of assholes who read on rough trade. Okay, so fandom. You're currently right now in your email programming, composing an email, berating me for calling you an asshole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you my response right now. You don't want to be an, if you don't want to be called an asshole, don't be one. And really, in this situation, do you want to identify exactly who you are? I wish you would. <laughs> I double dog dare you. So you've got some shitty, you engaged in some shitty behavior online and ruined it for the rest of us to make it to where we actively discourage people from writing original fiction where you can read it and you want to identify yourself? I'm actually okay with you doing that. <laughs> One of those rare times when I'm sitting here thinking, please do write that email. <laughs> Make my day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fandom. Pick a fandom. What are you thinking? Well, you know, I'm on the fence because, um, like, it would be really easy to do it in a fandom where, you know, there's already some established elements. You know, um, Grimm. I've never written in Grimm, but I've always wanted to. Um Uh, Harry Potter would be easy to put into an urban environment um, but I'm still mad at the Harry Potter fandom you know what you did you guys need to behave it could be a real challenge to convert something sci-fi to fantasy like Stargate or SGA Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is I think in order to meet the urban fantasy requirement, if you were going to do SGA, they couldn't leave Earth. 
hmm, I don't know if this would fit, but what if the fantasy element was found in Pegasus? Like werewolves or dragons or sentient dragons that speak or, you know, fairies. What if, you know, they get to Atlantis and it's populated by, like, little teeny tiny fairies, like thousands of Tinkerbells? But the foundation would still be science fiction. True. I mean, it would have to be a huge fantasy element that would take over the sci-fi. But yeah, I agree. In general, you'd have to... um, um, the easier, the not easier, but the the less sci-fi thing to do would be to keep them on Earth. I don't know. My mind just races around, and I I really can't I can't light on an idea. Um, <clears throat> John definitely has the ears to be an elf. Be really funny. Um, But had, going into November, I'm still going to have two Star Trek, two two Stargate projects in progress. Um, both Hold My Coffee and um, Revenant. I made myself cry today writing Hold My Coffee. Um, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I might need a break from Stargate by the <coughs> by the time November rolls around. Grim could be a lot of fun. I have a I have a total lady boner for what's his face. Um, Renard. Yes, yeah, Sean Renard. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Sasha Rowe. So he can't make up his mind if he's a bad guy or a good guy, and I don't care. I'm not mad. Not mad at all. He's he is just all kinds of pretty. I had this idea once where um, uh, Nick ends up um, in a relationship with Renard, and when Monroe finds out, he's like, you're fucking a royal. You are. What? What? You're fucking a royal. (laughs) He just can't get over it. He just keeps repeating it over and over again. (coughs) Every time he sees him, are you still fucking the royal? (laughs) Are you sure that's a good idea? Like when you say fucking a royal, I thought that sounds like a cocktail. It should be a cocktail. Yeah, see? You just can't go wrong with that. That's a pretty bastard right there. Thank you. Thank you, Sasha. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I think I'll get him for my next um, hot guy picture on Facebook. I wouldn't be mad at you for that. Now I'm going to have to Google him and look through all those images. See all the work I do for you bitches. (laughs) 
anyways, um, so what are you going to do? Well, um, I had an idea. I have more world-building idea than plot idea. But it would probably be NCIS. But it could be really anything because of the world building, right? Um, since my idea is more world building than pretty much You've already kind of done this twice so far. I mean, there's Emergence, um, which definitely qualifies as urban fantasy, um, although the romance elements might overshadow it. Um, then you have your psychic AU. Yeah, I think that would be... Um, yeah. I think subversive leans more towards paranormal romance, but just a hair, because the romance is really important to the plot, and that's the only reason why. But it is not the it is not the main plot. So, but it is mm-hmm. super important to the plot too. So it's kind of like it's hard to even though it's a subplot, it's hard to kind of pull them apart. Um, just which is why I kind of didn't want to go with shifters. Um. Um, or dragons, which is why I was thinking about Fay, and the kind of the idea I had, kind of noodling yeah, with. Yeah, don't make me do dragons again because we just now got to the point where you aren't being tagged on every fucking dragon that hits Facebook. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I can't afford that. So, um, I was thinking about doing a, a, like a like a Fay thing, where like both the dark and the light face of the Seely and Unseely courts um, separated themselves, closed the pathway to their dimension to Earth, like way, way back when. Um, but then when humans were first um, investigating, first investigating nuclear power, um, they had more problems than we had in, in our history. And there were like, um, some early like Chernobyl type meltdowns that were causing cause of a, a significant portion of the world to be ill, radiation, but it was killing the Earth, um, and the Fae could sense that because um, I'm I'm sort of thinking like there was sort of like this idea of um, multiple like a different plane of existence but still tied to the Earth, and that they pull their magic from the Earth. And that when the Earth starts to be poisoned with radiation, that they feel it, and they um, open the pathway path again, and they reveal themselves to um, humans and offer to help clean clean purge the radiation that's poisoning the Earth and, and killing people, and has killed a lot of people. Something in there's going to be a population reduction, um, but that there's going to be like a price kind of thing where they have to stop certain forms of, you know, so like fossil fuels have to go away. It basically anything that's kind of polluting the environment. So my idea is it would be set in like contemporary time, you know, you know, 2000, you know, the mid aughts forward somewhere. And um, that like things look a lot the same, except like power is all done through runic magic that is because humans can't do magic themselves but the Fae um, stay somewhat working with them and teach them how to use runes to create electricity. Um, so, like, their pow- their cars are uh, run on batteries that are powered by runes. 
And so there's some sort of blending of technology and magic that's all done. So, like, you know, there's rune arrays in everybody's homes um, for how to turn on the lights and um, how to run the coffee maker. Everything is done with runic magic. Um, and so that was sort of the idea and then uh, for the world building about like how how the fae kind of can so there's a little bit not a ton but a little bit of um mixing of um so some people like within the within a generation because this has this didn't happen very far back right so it's only been time for a generation or two turnover so there's like some people are a quarter or half fae but not very many. So a lot of people keep that secret because they themselves can do a certain amount of magic, but they tend to maintain tight tight ties to um, whichever court they came from, whether it's the dark fae or the light fae, that they, that they are part of either a guild or whatever. So I was thinking there would be guilds that people would have to work with. Um, but instead of having like, I don't know, what do you call it? Um, instead of like having a department of motor vehicles, you'd have like a, you know, transportation guild, and it's a cooperation between um, representatives from the Fey and with basically fairies and humans that work together to ensure that things keep running smoothly in the world and that magic is used appropriately. So that was sort of the world building idea, and then I was trying to noodle on the plot. Well, if I was going to make anybody a fan in Criminal Minds, it'd be Garcia. Criminal Minds? Oh, the comment that Spencer would make an interesting say. Yeah. I'd probably make Penelope a... Yeah. I could see Garcia's say. <laughs> I had originally, when I built um, my... When I did my world building for Revenant um, in July, I thought that... Um, if I got everything hammered out in um, in July, that November, I would take the idea into the NCIS fandom. Oh, cool. But my idea is harsh. How harsh? Gibbs is a revenant, and he dies and anchors to Tony. Ow. I said it was harsh. <laughs> the whole family was like, fuck you, Kara. Get out of our business. <laughs> we don't want you here after all. We just thought we did. There was a while I'll get an email from somebody in, in the NCIS fan and I was like, will you please write some more NCIS? Please, please. <laughs> I would get like hate mail. We changed our mind. <laughs> get out of our fandom. You need to keep in mind that I'm not traditionally a Gibbs Tony shipper. But my other idea was that um that Gibbs was a was an anchor 
um, and he anchored after he lost Shannon and um, Kelly. Um, and when he was in the explosion, when he woke up with amnesia, um, he was furious to have the Revenant in him, so the Revenant unmoored. And the Revenant is so concerned about Gibbs that he asked to anchor with Tony, and Tony agrees. I think they're both great ideas. And that even I mean, when Gibbs comes back, he's furious that this Revenant is still hanging around, and he, he and that he's in Tony, and it makes him so mad. <clears throat> I could see that tantrum happening. <laughs> But yeah, so I've had those two ideas. But um, honestly, um, I'm not really interested in spending another month being asked repeatedly um, where the idea for Revenant came from so they can read the the original work. I'm just, I'm I'm not prepared to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that would drive me batshit insane. So if that project happens, it won't happen online. It'll happen, and then you'll get the completed work when it's done, because that is super distracting. Yeah, I, I, got, I got questioned like that I think <coughs> twice on Subversive after the fact, after, after Rough Trade was over, and somebody pinged me privately and asked me, um, what was the inspiration, or what, 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 was I, what was I, where did I take my world building from? Um, the Omega World Building specifically, um, and I just I I kind of head tilted over it and was like, by the way, Barbara, happy birthday! It was your birthday this week. Happy birthday! I hope you had a really good one. Happy birthday, Barbara. <clears throat> I haven't been online much. I have completely missed that. I'm sad. I saw her on Facebook, and I that's her fake birthday. And if that's your fake birthday, happy fake birthday. <laughs> no, I actually didn't even respond to the question because I actually talked about the world building for the Omegas in on the podcast one day. That A lot of the world building around the Omegas was around the desire to take the consent issues out of it. So, um Consent, the cons- yeah, the problems that I see in typical ABO dynamics. Um, so, um, and it so kind of Sybil was a RT project, and it's not currently available online. She's still yeah. finishing it. So it's just it was one of those, you know, because I had talked about kind of what was driving me to before about where I, um, um. I felt like I didn't kind of need an answer, but it was still a little bit, you know, head tilty. It's like, you know, I felt like a little bit like the question was like you could, I couldn't have seen a problem and figured out a way to solve it because I was more trying. I was in problem solving mode on that a little bit, not all of it, but a little bit. A little bit. It was like I want to, I want to write Omegas differently than I've seen them written, um, and so I went, you know. And I wanted to, in doing that, I wanted to make sure I didn't have any issues of consent that came along in my world building, which is 
which was the driving force behind that. So, um, and it was the question was a little bit along the lines of like, how did you manage to get the consent issues out? And I don't know. I just don't even know how to answer that question. Terribly rude. <clears throat> Look, I thought about it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not rocket science. I just spent a lot of time thinking about it. Well, one of the, I didn't encounter this with synthetic, and I think it's because I did um, publish on my own site a lot of my world-building work I did on synthetic. Um, and so coming into the actual writing of synthetic, no one questioned you know where I'd gotten that information from, where I had created that. Um, I didn't do that with Revenant. I do have a fuck ton of information and essays and stuff, because that's part of my process that I have no intention of ever sharing with you guys. <laughs> But, um, I don't know, it was just really super, super annoying. I, <clears throat> but, I, yeah, I was um, I was contemplating killing Gibbs. And that either he was carrying a revenant or he was a revenant. So, like what Rodney is in, like, revenant potential? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of him being revenant potential and him being so um, focused on protecting whoever he's leaving behind. You know, um, especially if I killed him early on. Like if I, like for instance, if Aerie took Gibbs instead of Kate. Mm. And he. Made that choice in that in in those in that moment. He um, he made that choice to to go on because he you know he, everything that had happened had brought them to that roof. It was his obsession, and here he is. He's he's at this precipice. He has to make a choice between um, passing on and being with Kelly and Shannon or anchoring and protecting what's left of his team. So, of course, he picks Tony. Tony's really the only choice. Well, yeah. Um, So, so, you know, that was um, one of the ideas that I had. But it's really, it's it's a harsh thing to write. And since I've never had a completed big project in in CIS, I'm not sure Killing Gibbs (laughs) should be my... That's where you want to start? (laughs) My boom... Into the NCIS fandom. Oh yeah, that's that bitch that killed Gibbs in her first in her first you know serious effort in NCIS. But, you know, those were the events that I had in mind, you know, when, when, when Kate is killed, um, the bombing. Um, in either one of those events, um, Gibbs could have been killed. and Or, you know, the instance of, of him waking up and having that revenant in him. Um, and then finding out in the same basic instance that his wife and daughter are, are dead. Um, I can see him um, rejecting the revenant presence in his in his body. 
Yeah, I could see that too. Because anything you, you should kind always, of anything. always start your six-time change. Huh? Go ahead. It, you I was, always I was just something in the chat. Uh, at, at the point of change, because it um, it creates um, momentum for your plot. Um. There's, um, I'm going to have to pause myself because my dog is about to start howling. Um, keep talking. I'll be, right, I'll be right back. Okay. I did have this. This is. I shouldn't probably comment on Kira's idea, but I did have this kind of funny idea where Gibbs anchors to Steve because that's like, I don't know, like the mothership with Gibbs in it. I don't even know what to do with that idea. But it's not my idea. So... <laughs> So Dark says there was an Ian Kethry story where um, Gibbs was murdered, murdered and Tony had to live through the aftermath. I haven't read that one. Um, although I do tend to steer clear. I've read some of Ian, um, Ian, Ian Kethry's story, but I do tend to steer clear of major character death because that could be why I've missed that one. It's called The Ghost and Mr. Denozo. Ouch. <laughs> Barb said we hear we hear heads exploding all over fandom. Yeah, yeah, that would make my head explode. It make my head completely explode. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm tempted to read this ghost of Mister Denozo story. Not right now, of course, because that's just you know weird to read while. On the podcast, um, what would be amazing and awesome? What would be? Um, what are they talking oh, about? Oh, when you when you went off when you dropped off, um, I uh, said that when you first started talking about Gibbs dying, my first thought, and he anchors to Steve, and it's like the mothership with. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing! Oh my god! I make this. And then people are like this. <laughs> you can hear heads exploding all over fandom. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. (laughs) (coughs) The ghost concept is interesting. Um, Paranormal spirits, medium, that kind of thing. I don't know. That's a that's a form of. Um, awful I haven't inflicted on Tony where he communicates with the dead (laughs) one of the issues I see popping up when um, you know when these elements are known is that um, the abuse of them becomes institutionalized you see yeah. it in Venom over and over again. Um, shifters are known. They're a, they're a second-class species. They're a second-class citizen. You know, they're they're abused and mistreated. Sentinels are um, made slaves. Um, psychics are auctioned off by the government. I mean, it's just, it, it's always so heinous to see fandom. Why can't you guys write nice stuff? <laughs> Why do you yeah, that... always got to go down the darkest path possible? 
yeah, I I, uh, I find that to be very unpleasant. I uh, I can't read that. I the, it, you know when it starts edging towards dystopian, I just I don't wanna. It's not my it's not my jam. Um, I know people really dig it, but there's a lot of it. Yes, Hawaii Five O Steve, that one. That's the mothership. Tony Steve is the mothership. <coughs> But yeah, that's why I I tend to like the the whole known element and known in a way that it comes that's positive um, for the minority because uh, I'm I'm not um, I went a little bit of a different direction with intuitive and it got too dark. I mean, I'd have to replot to kind of figure a way out of the darkness, um, but that still does go in a positive direction and everything does get fixed. But that's because it's the um it's the it's the for, it's the formation stage for them right um the world is still trying to figure out how it's coming coming to grips with this thing but in general if i were to kind of have these elements already existing i would not choose to have it be you know negative for the group in the minority sometimes i shouldn't cause i wouldn't want i just wouldn't be interested in writing it I don't like slave AUs at all. Mm-mm. I find I find it, the consent issues in slave AUs are so horrific, and writers often just just gloss right over it. And even when they don't gloss over it, they give the impression that the consent is there, even when it's impossible. A yeah. slave who's a cannot slave. give consent. They don't have anything to give, much less consent. <laughs> it really, really bothers me. It's terrible. But it's also human nature. I mean, riders go down that path because you see us as a species doing exactly that kind of thing. It's not surprising, it's just horrific. Yeah, I know there's a big AU out there where the Roman Empire never ended. I never tried to read it because um, I didn't even know anything about it to know that Roman Empire never ending meant bad things. So, um, on the slavery front. Slavery um, slavery being the least of them. Yeah, so that was. Um, I actually have had I've had it wrecked to me several times, and so because people wreck it, I assume it is good, but I just can't. I'm not. I can't. Unless there's no sex, <laughs> but nobody's nobody's made that claim, so I'm gonna assume <laughs> that's not the case. Here, read this slave you. The sex is hot. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's more like what that usually happens. <laughs> Okay, so I have a germ of an idea for NCIS in my fey magical world. I've kind of pondered parts of this, but I, it's like nothing quite come together. But So, Gibbs and Shannon's alive and Kelly's alive. 
because everything's gone down differently, right? And Gibbs works magical investigations, not Navy. And start the story with or they are come on the scene of a dark ritual. They know it's a dark ritual, but all 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 magical events um, are supposed to be investigated um, because humans aren't really supposed to be trying to do ma- magic, and the Fae aren't going to be doing magic on Earth. So um, magical rituals have to be investigated, like by a special agency. I can't call it MCIS because that's just too corny. Magical Criminal Investigative Services. Um. <laughs> I think for that reason alone, you have to call it that. <laughs> I have to call it MCIS. It's terrible. Name the series yeah. that. No. Um, so they, so Gibbs goes to a scene of a dark ritual, and they need a consult from, and because it's a dark magic, they need a consult from dark the dark the guild the, the magical guild for the dark fae. And they send um, someone cloaked and hooded, they don't know who it is, who basically kicks them out of the scene. Kicks them out, and Gibbs um, gets told later that there's been an analysis done on the crime and that they're going to send a liaison to work with him. And the liaison is Tony. And... Tony is actually, in reality, dead. Okay. I made a whoopee so, face. <laughs> okay, so go with me. So the Tony that looks like the Tony we know, the Tony that's in the story, is actually really, really, really old, dark fae, thousands of years old, who can disguise himself. And he always has, yes, dead. And he always has someone that he is disguising himself as, a current identity in the human world that he interfaces with the world as. Tony Dinozo, by name, his mother was half Fay. And I'm going to say she, she, and to, she died, and the Fay claimed custody of Tony because he's quarter Fay but he didn't survive his injuries. So Tony Dinozo, and so that at that moment, um, this leader in the Fae decides that that's going to be the identity for his next 30 or 40 years. So Tony Dinozo exists on paper, but it's actually this other dude. This Fae guy. And so he acts like a guy, an obnoxious guy. He acts a lot like Tony. Um, but he's really there to investigate what's going on because the ritual that was conducted, but which failed, but was designed to close the portal between the dimensions that allow the Fae to cross back and forth. And so the Fae are very interested in what's going on. I'm thinking I'm, I'm working myself into... A cr- cr- criminal, a case, a c- case fic. I usually don't write those. Hmm. And Tony is already taking you everywhere. Yes, and Tony <laughs> is. <laughs> well, 
Tony, he's not he's not like wearing what Tony would look like. No, he looks like himself. He's just disguising his fey features. Um, like wings. Yes, he needs wings. I've decided he needs wings. Tony needs wings. Everybody needs wings. And he's already sleeping I with Steve. I thought it's a failure in our design that we don't have wings. <laughs> I haven't had Tony have wings in any story, I don't think. Have I? <laughs> you definitely need it. I need wings. Wings. Okay. Wings, damn it. Wings. Yeah. And Tony's already sleeping with Steve. So there. That's yeah. taken care of. Um, which would make Steve fade too. Ooh. I'll make Shannon... Tony's many, many, many times removed grandchild. Because that's not creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's not going to sleep with her. (laughs) No, still. (laughs) I don't know where that would go, but I have no idea at all where that would go. Except perhaps some big sword battle between the person behind the plot and Tony in the orange MCIS bullpen, because of course it would still have to be pumpkin orange, because why not? Yeah, I think swords. I think Tony needs to decapitate somebody again. Swords and wings. Swords and I wings. I am totally decapitation. on Because that never gets old. <laughs> oh my. Of people get wings. Although I'm thinking Steve is going to have really prissy, like butterfly looking wings. Like a, maybe like a dragonfly. A dragonfly. There you go. Dragonfly's wings. What is? What is? Isn't there like a? Because he's built for speed. Steve. There is a. Yeah, that's the one. The glass wing butterfly. Buckle up, Steve. <laughs> now I have to Google this shit. I'm trying to find the... Well, that took me to an HTML image. I want an image image. Oh, that's pretty slick, actually. Isn't that pretty? All right. Here you go. There we go. Picture. Yes, he'll be a manly moth. <laughs> and that is that is really slick, actually. That is really slick. <clears throat> now I got Mothman in my brain. Not good. Not good. We don't need that. We don't need that. Back it off. Back it off. Back it off. <laughs> well, they're fairies. <laughs> Right? The Fae are fairies, so they're all a fairies of they some have sort. Wings. They can fly. So they have wings. So presumably they fly. I made decided... Bella in my uh, Hobbit fic. She's um, she's a Fae. She has wings. I'll decide if, if he's going to get, <laughs> if he's going to have sizes, like 
Does he get tiny like Tinkerbell? <laughs> Steve, get in your little form and get in my pocket. <laughs> you don't want to know what popped into my brain just now. <laughs> I'm going to share it with you anyway. You, did you ever watch Austin Powers? Yes. I'm you sorry, I admitted that. <laughs> you know that bastard when he's telling people to get in his belly? Get <laughs> <laughs> <Hang> my belly! <laughs> I told I think... you guys before I started this show that my brain is Swiss cheese. This is what happens. Get in my belly! So this this could be oh that could be great. So if Tony if Tony's a member of the royal family and he's off doing this investigation and Steve's his bodyguard I love this whole bodyguard thing. So if Steve's his bodyguard, he's like well, the only way you can come with me is if you get in your little form and you ride in my pocket. <laughs> Otherwise you're gonna completely blow my cover. Or I can't have you he could be invisible. He could be invisible and sit on Tony's shoulder and talk shit. <laughs> Get small, get invisible, be quiet. I don't think you can do all three. I think you're going to have to end up with a smart ass on his shoulder. So Tony's going to have to be able to cast a silencing charm on him of some sort so only he can hear him. Did you guys hear this high squeaky sound? No, I don't hear anything. Okay, so there's a comedic element. That's terrible. That <laughs> is just terrible. You can trust you can trust Azure to just <sighs> insert okay. the terrible. All right, so now there's a comedic element in there. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the fat bastard thing. It's just in my brain. It won't go away. Oh. Oh, yeah, you're something else, Azure. You're something else. So I've got wings, magic, fairies. Is there a murder? Because you need a body. Dark magic. Somebody's going to be dead. Um... Teeny tiny Steve on Tony's <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness. Well I promise to come up with something else between now and November. <laughs> what's that what's that one um because does Steve have to be a Because couldn't you play on his whole um Navy SEAL thing and him be one of those creatures that um, can be on land, and he the skin and what's that? Is that a sealy? S e a i l i e. And oh, if you steal you their skin, they can't. Selkie. Z- Selkie, and they can't go back into the sea. Well, that could be interesting. Steve the Selkie. 
Thank you. It was in my brain, but I just wasn't getting the whole thing out. All right, I'm making note because that could be interesting. Oh, speaking of spelling, for those of you who use Grammarly, word of advice, Grammarly has the worst spell check in the history of man. Oh, it's terrible. Just FYI. I Utterly I, I did unbelievable. I, I put something through, gra- through Grammarly, like corrected all my grammar problems, and then when I brought it back into Word, there were all these misspellings that it didn't catch. I was like, okay. What if what if Tony is the person that Steve has keep his skin when when he's out of the sea? Oh, I like that. Instead of hiding it, he gives it to Tony. And maybe Tony's had it for a while because Steve is doing some sort of magical mystery tour of the human world. Pretending to be a seal. <laughs> Sorry, that a just tickles me. He's a seal pretending to be a seal. A seal. Isn't it great? It's so fun. <laughs> See? Tony could be all like, <coughs> you went off for the last... Joined the Navy and became a SEAL. A SEAL? That's what you chose to do? Like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's something. Because <laughs> these two have been together forever, then I would think that they would take some... Breaks. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what mythology says. Here's a, I do what I want. Here's something. We do what I want. Author hand wave of destiny. <laughs> That's the beauty of, of being a writer, is that you can take elements that you enjoy and play with them, and if there are elements that don't fit, you don't have to include them. It's your shit. You can do what you want. Actually, like one of the reasons, one of the things I see most often in fandom is people who are desperately attached to canon to such a degree that they end up retelling canon events almost verbatim. You don't got to do that. Consider it more like a guideline. So absolutely, you know, you look at mythology and you can say, okay, well, that's just a legend. That's not actually true. That's not actually what happens. There's there's lots of things that are in legend. And if you want to give a nod to the legend at all, which you don't, you don't have to, you have it be that there's misinformation. This is the, this is one of the most common tropes for dealing with that, is that all of that crap is misinformation to um, mislead humans. You'd see that in vampire lore all the time. People are like, well, aren't you allergic to garlic? No, we just tell humans that. No, crosses don't bother us. We just let humans think they do. Um, so if you Look want to acknowledge, yeah, <laughs> if you want to acknowledge the legend, you can. 
by <laughs> that's called um lampshading, which is you address the question before it's raised. Um in the you address the question in the narrative before the audience can even ask it. And so that's um you you'd lampshade your changes to the mythology by having that kind of question raised in the story of like, well, what about garlic? What about crosses? What about sunlight? Ah, we just tell humans that shit. Makes you guys feel better. And move on. So it's a really common plot device. And if it's a character giving this information to your your very curious character is a bad guy, um, he can kill the person he tells. (laughs) (laughs) The reader gives the information. But he doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's right. Oh, look at him. He's dead. Oh. Too bad. Vlad was allergic, and we all got stuck with that label. But that's sort of like if you were to work with um, any kind of mythology, um, you don't have to take the mythology's gospel. So, like, if you want to work with Greek gods or something, you don't have to, you know, like have their procreation be quite so weird. And incestuous. Right. You can have it be, you can have it say that humans make up weird stories about us. You don't know where they get these ideas because swans, really? I mean, you can have, you, you can lampshade the fuck out of that and move on and not be bound. Just be like, look at me. I don't got to like a swan to get laid. <laughs> have you seen me? <laughs> Humans, it's like we're always very perplexed, and it can actually make it funny. It's like, you know, we've always been rather perplexed by the thing, the stories that humans make up about us. They sure are a creative bunch, aren't they? And very into bestiality. Yes, they are. They were the best. They really think we're into it. We're really not sure how we feel about this real person fiction that's going on. <laughs> But really, and all honestly, when when you look at um, mythology, when you look at um, even history, when when you're p- picking elements out to play with, um, when it comes to your work, you're in charge. You decide. Um, and you can, and you can be as bound have, by the, how it's supposed to be. Yeah, you can be as bound by it or not as you want. The parts that work for your plot, you keep, and the parts that don't, you get rid of. For the most part, because sometimes there are some elements that are tightly tied together, and it's difficult to throw one half out and keep the other without thinking through what that. Yeah, the I'm not saying you need are. to throw the baby out with bathwater. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Although you know, make I, some logical sure, choices. Someone please put that in a story where someone throws a baby out with the bathwater because <laughs> I really want to read that. <laughs> Where's the baby? I don't. Oh. My bad. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Hopefully it's a magical baby and they're okay. I'm thinking that maybe that's like, you know, like, I don't know, like you plant a hobbit that way. You throw it out with its bathwater into the garden. (laughs) No. (laughs) Please, no one write that, please. (laughs) 
well, he's old enough now to be planted. Throw him out with the bathwater. Wow. 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 It's a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) So is this going to be your idea for November? Is this what you're thinking? Maybe. I also had kind of noodled a long time ago on an idea about Greek mythology, actually, since that came up. And actually, I was talking about that reminded me. Um, um, and I had another idea. Um, I was having a hard time working through the, the details of it, but I had an idea. The first idea I'd have had for November was this idea where um, Tony comes home from work one day and his double from another dimension is lying in his living room dying. Um, and it's a dimension that has tapped into their magic. And, like, so Tony has magic, but it's like they're blocked from it in this dimension. And so he sees himself, like, covered with all these weird tattoos and stuff, dying on the floor. And it's his double has come to the most compatible dimension because um, Tony is needed to cast a spell. And this guy's, ma- his double's magic's been poisoned. And um, he needs Tony to come to their dimension and learn magic so that he can cast a spell to save people, to save save their world, the entire world, right? So it, I had that, like, scene idea where Tony's like, comes home and it's like, why am I on the floor dying? And he gets told, you need to go. You need to take this thing and, and travel to where I came from. And, you know, I will be here and I will die and they will think you died and you got to go there and save the world kind of thing. And he's, eventually agrees, and then I never went any further with the idea. I stopped plotting, like, right there. Well, sort of. I mean, I, I like the idea. Some, I kind of had some ideas about that the, you know, it would be an OC, that he could, every, everybody would be an OC. It's like Tony would be the only familiar character, because um, he's going off to a whole other dimension, and a lot of the people, I wasn't planning on having um, a lot of parallels, because it's very different with magic and that kind of thing, so... Um, so Tony, um, the guy who is sort of his guard, the 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 original the original Tony, the the Tony that does magic, um, um, has a guardian. So magics have kind of the magical people in that world have kind of like a a ground, somebody who grounds them to prevent their magic from getting out of control. That's not necessarily a romantic relationship, but it can be. So the, that the Tony who's now dead. His best friend was his guardian, and this guardian has to train and is responsible for protecting Tony through his training so that he can cast his spell. Um, yeah. And they didn't, and eventually, and that's, I think that's one thing that kind of my thought was that one of the kind of the, um, that they have to kind of grapple with is that he had kind of, this guardian had more of like kind of a brotherly friendship type love with the, with his um I was kind of called the magus's. So his magus that he um, that went to go retrieve somebody who could still cast the spell, and then he actually falls in love with with the, with the double, and he has struggles a little bit with dealing with that disconnect that looks so much like, um, yeah, sort of like an anchor. But I'm thinking actual more of a, a an actual. There's actually a physical element to it, not just a. Um, 
spiritual psychological element to it, like that there's an actual bond that forms to help ground the magic. Like a magical, yeah, like a tether to the earth to keep their magic from getting out of control. So anyway, so I kind of that was the first idea I'd had when the urban fantasy came up. Um, but I worried. I think I think the reason why I didn't like go too far with it was because I worried that it was with the dimension hopping and stuff that it was had too much of a sci-fi element. Um, even though it's mostly about magic, there's not really. Um, I don't really see that sci-fi-ish, sci-fi-ish, not really, because the magic is how he got there. It isn't like he's using technology to move from dimension to dimension. Yeah, he's traveling by magic, so. Um. Yeah, as I'm sitting here, because I haven't thought about this since we talked about the Blue Moon Challenge first, initially, because this was like the first thing that popped into my head. And then I kind of went, eh, no, and pushed it aside. I never, haven't really thought about it since. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it again, I like the idea a lot. Hmm. Now I'm wondering what was going on with me back then that I was like, well, I'm not going to ponder on this. Because sometimes some ideas just strike you not quite right sometimes, and you need to percolate on them for a while longer or... They're better when you think about them another time. So. And really, I mean, realistically, I could do this with any character, right? I'm not. I'm not. uh, Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I mean, it could be, you could use, yeah, you could use any character for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be Tony, so. You could do original work with this. Yeah, that's true. Because since the only character that's recognizable is the main character, that doesn't have to, that means it's not at all tied to the fandom. Right. Huh. It'd be a really it'd be a really cool original project. And that actually that actually would solve some problems. It was an original project because Tony's ties to his home dimension are part of are an issue. That he would just walk right. away from everything like that. Which would you know, if he which an original character you can adjust the character's background to serve a plot where he'd be willing to walk away. Just with no warning. And not a word, just vanish. And let everybody think he was dead. And that's a tough characterization cell for me with Tony. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, John oh, no, and Cannon like... would be a good choice. Not Rodney because of, of his sister. But John is really estranged from his family. Um, Jack O'Neill would be an excellent choice. Yeah. As far as fandom goes, but I really think that you would um, serve as I'd be best if you did your own character. Yeah, I I'm getting more and more just very quickly more enamored of the idea of doing an original character because I can solve all the problems that were already rattling around in my head by not using an established character. Okay, so I got to cook something else for November. Forget it, ladies. 
<laughs> My other idea was actually um, something I've been t- kind of fiddling around with in the back of my head um, called the Unspeakable Files. Um, and it's um, basically a, st- um, a, uh, a case fic with Zale as the lead. Um, that's my original character in, in, in the Harry Potter fandom that I that I love that I fan cast as Tom Hiddleston because he's beautiful, um, and um, just uh, um, I had this idea that Zale is um, a brand new unspeakable. He's just been hired by the Department of Mysteries, and it's nineteen ni- it's nineteen eighty three, and he comes across. Uh, information um, that he was never supposed to get. And it will, um, it leads him to a Horcrux. And Dumbledore is conspiring against um, him in the background because he's seen this young man find the Resurrection Stone. Because Dumbledore found the same information, and but Zale beat him to the house. And he picked up, he got the Resurrection Stone, but he was smart and didn't get cursed in the process. And he's taking it back to um, the Unspeakables, and they discover that it's a Horcrux. And so the whole novel evolves around um, Zale coming to this conclusion and reaching out to Thaddeus Banner, who is the only living vassal of the House of Potter, and saying, dude, you've got problems and you need to find the heir right now. Because if there's one of these things, there's more. And what is going on with that kid? Because they keep getting these, um, they've done these rituals to try to find the rest of them. And they keep getting a hit off the Potter kid and they're not supposed to. And they don't know what to do about it. And so Thaddeus goes to Privet Drive and picks Harry Potter up. And that's my plot in that that this this young unspeakable um, stumbles across something truly unspeakable and he makes this really immensely brave choice um, to ignore um, everybody around him saying leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone this is a problem, Dumbledore wants you to leave it on he's saying fuck you Dumbledore (laughs) this is bullshit, we can't leave these things hanging around Um, and he doesn't give a shit about the prophecy and uh, he, um, he changes the path of history and that was the idea I had for Zale um, in his in an, in an original novel. And he's going, um, he's in a relationship with Quentin Deadmarsh, um, whom his parents hate. <laughs> Not because um, it's a dude, but because he's a dark wizard. <laughs> <laughs> and Zale likes that shit. I mean, he's not sacrificing unicorns or anything, but he's blood mage, and that's considered dark magic in Britain. Um, so I had this whole thing going on. But I'd also considered using um, my original character that I made for um, my James Potter Leaves Britain story. Um, and uh, I cast the guy that played Lucifer to play him. And I'm really enamored with him, too, Um and so is Harry, as a matter of fact, but Harry's, Harry's a little kid. 
Harry thinks he's really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously not dark because he still has his nose. Um, duh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I have that character, and it would just it would be really interesting to to kind of play with those elements. And I'm really interested because of what I wrote in that James Potter book um, that I am going to figure out what's wrong with my ending and and put it out soon and not like this month but probably okay. beginning of next year Be- uh, beginning of next year probably um cuz i just have this 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 thing um i've got a ripple and if you listen to my podcast before i talked to i talked to you about ripples and actions and consequences i've got a ripple near the end of my book that i'm um on the fence about because it changes a lot this one ripple it just kind of it's it's it, it's like a tsunami and so um i'm i'm trying to figure out if if, if i want to ride that wave and have i have all those consequences or not and and once i make that decision i'll you know either it'll be done and i'll go into beta or i'll rewrite it <laughs> But anyways, um, so I have that idea about um, Zale um, finding the Resurrection Stone. I think that's an amazing idea. I love the idea of that. I, I have I have a real, I have a real, just, it's like, there we go, this, my head gets all excited about stories where the grown-ups in the Harry Potter universe act like grown-ups. <laughs> Are grown ups, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, being a fucking adult, yeah, and <laughs> behave be responsibly, <laughs> and and Harry benefits from people. I think the you know, that Harry would benefit greatly from like literally anybody in Wizarding Britain acting like a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, Fudge is an adult. Wow, what happened? <laughs> holy, sh- holy shit! We can't let a fourteen year old participate in this tournament. <laughs> what the fuck? He does have a little bit of a crush, and he actually announces to the entire Wizmanot that he that he thinks he's pretty, <laughs> that he's much too attractive to be a dark wizard. He is very pretty. So, yeah. But um, I really I really enjoy that book that I wrote for James Potter. I've written I've I've read it like I don't know ten times. So I. I feel like, and I'm not, I'm really not being a cock tease. I feel like you're really going to enjoy it when you get to read it. Um, you're going to love it. I figure out my ripple. <laughs> Julie loved it. I love it. Holder loved it. I think Azure loved favorite. it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. But I have that ripple at the end. I, ha- I have this ripple, and I have to fix my ripple. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm really genuinely not being a cock tease. You are going to see it. It is going to hit my site. Complete at. I forget how many words it is. I shall have to look. It's 60K. And the thing is, <coughs> is that until I fix my ripple, I can't start book two. Yeah, I cast him as Henry Burke. And um, he's a wizard, and he's a uh, he's a dark wizard, 
Um, and um, Harry decides in the middle of the, of the of a, of a, a wizard not session, ever how you say that, that he's entirely too pretty to be a dark wizard. <laughs> Yeah, I have actually started book two three times, and that's when I realized I had that ripple, that and and it was really impacting all the different. Like I had this option of like where to start book two, and if the story continues to be James' story or if it becomes Harry's, and that's important, and that's where my ripple is, and depending on a decision I made at the end of the book, um really, really impacts the rest of the series or the, the, the trilogy of books that I'd plotted out. And um, so I'm having to decide where to start book two, and that um, is dependent on how I handle this ripple in, my, in, in the plot because um, de- decisions have consequences. Yeah, they do. And it's one of those things, it's like if you're not sure about a detail at the end of something, you've got to um, fix it before you go on because you don't want to get it up and go, shoot, I should have done that differently or I wish I had done that differently. There are parts of that old black magic that I wish I had done differently that are are making it difficult for me in the construction of book two, which is why you haven't seen it. Why no one has seen it? Um, not even Lady Holder has seen book two, um, because um, and she sees most of my work uh, when I'm ready to start sharing. She's the first person I share with. Um, I just um, I made some decisions writing um, that old black magic that I wish I could take back, and maybe that's one reasons why I'm hesitating to post the legacy um, in its entirety. Although there is part of the legacy on EAD that you can read. Um, that's Evil Author Day, and it's over on Dreamwits now. Um, but it's just not... I have that ripple. <laughs> she has to smooth out a ripple. She has to seas to settle. I guess it's more like the pond, not really seas don't settle. Like your, your, your creative pond has to settle. My lake is not placid. <laughs> I've been to Lake Placid. Have you? Is it placid? I have. It wasn't the day I was there. <laughs> but I'm sure it usually is. Neither the lake nor the town. That's because they were having some sort of, I don't know, international sporting thing going on. I want to say it was like, what's that game with the 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 netted thingies? The sport with the net thingies. The uh, um, lacrosse. Lacrosse. Yes, they're having some sort of international lacrosse thing going on when I was there, and every hotel was young men lacrosse players making a lot of racket till two or three o'clock in the morning. Are they adults? Like, are we still talking about teenagers or like? No, college, college, college Grown. age. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, oh. are they cute? Some of them, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, old enough to be uh, old enough to be legally obnoxious, you know, young enough for me to avert my eyes. Um. Yes, 
Um, Azure says, um, it's your story, and if you want to change something, um, do so, and fuck anybody who complains. Yes, and I do believe that. It is your work. It is your story, um, and you can make any changes that you want to. Um, here's the thing about that old black magic. Um, it has had over 500,000 views. I don't want to put up with the number of comments I would get. <laughs> yeah, it might have been you. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. Original Tempest is claiming all those views. Maybe it was you. Damn, dude. Watch my bandwidth. I'm just kidding. You know, guys, don't don't worry about that part of my bandwidth. It's fine. Um, uh, but uh, making little changes, you know, correcting grammar or correcting a spelling or something like that would be fine. But if I made the changes I want to make to Old Black Magic, I would get a thousand comments about it. <laughs> The comments would never end. <sighs> yeah, and sometimes so, um, you just you just make a decision not to torture yourself that way. It wouldn't be a proper edit. It would be um um there are plot choices that I would like to redo. There are elements of relationships that I would like to redo. Um and it's just, it's, it would end up being a different story. It wouldn't be the story you read 12 times. Um, and so when you post something and it gets as much attention as that old black magic does, um, <clears throat> while I am that person who says that the writer comes first and I write for me, I do Oh my readers a little bit of respect in this area they've read that they enjoy it a lot of them reread it every quarter it wouldn't be fair for me to go in and make the wholesale kind of changes that I want to make to it you know yeah I I I, I, I understand what you're saying I mean if I I agree with what you're saying I mean I, I would take the same position about doing a major edit on a on a published work like that, or actually almost a rewrite on a published work, um, and but at the same time, if an, if an that would be my position is that I wouldn't do it, um, but that if if a writer wanted to, I would be completely supportive of that. But also sometimes whether you make the decision, um, It also is perfectly legitimate to make the decision because you don't want to deal with the, the backlash about it. I mean, that's just that could be just protecting your own sanity. It's like, is it worth it? Yeah, right now there are 21 people in the chat room, and most of them say, oh, go ahead and do it. Oh, honey, there are 13,000 members to my site. <laughs> I love you guys, but <laughs> that would be a lot of fucking people who don't agree with your current position <laughs> letting me know in emails and in comments on how I ruined their favorite fic. Yeah. Pick out your favorite fic in your mind. Pick it out. Hold it Hold it really close and dear to you. 
Now imagine you go to read it next time you go to read it, and the writer has made fundamental changes to it in such a way that it no longer even features your OTP. Tell me how you would feel. Well, as a reader, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it at all. <laughs> I'll say it. I'd hate it. But, you know, that's... I mean, say you go to read your favorite Harry Draco story, and suddenly it's not Harry Draco anymore. It was Harry Jenny. There you go. I'm just going to... Well, oh God! Freak you guys out. <laughs> you don't need to go that far. <laughs> you don't need to go that far. Come on. I'm just saying, Not you know that um, <laughs> um, that uh, that there that there are um, lines that even I won't cross as a writer, as far as you know, um, my readership and um, readability and ease of sight use and um, just being available and um, being true to the content that I originally put up is important to me. So while it has um, uh, stymied me a little on book two, um, I'll deal with it because it's not uh, so um, drastic that I'd want to alienate a good, I don't know, two-thirds of my readership. Yeah, Julie's going to be in the corner the rest of the weekend, just like you guys. As long as I can take my laptop with me, I'll spend the rest of the weekend in the corner. Maybe I'll get some writing yeah, you done. Take your laptop. Yeah, you can take your laptop. <clears throat> well, I mean, you have to be, you have to, sometimes with giving examples, you do have to be shocking because. You know, you think, oh, I wouldn't mind. So people are sitting there thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind if she switched it to. Everybody's imagining it. Oh, if she switched it to, to Harry Neville, that'd be okay. If she switched it to Harry Hermione, that'd be okay. I mean, but there's going to be the people out there who would be horrified if it switched to Harry Neville, right? So that's why I kind of said, well, here's the thing nobody would want. Now imagine how that would feel. Well, there are only two Harry Draco stories on my site. Yep, that's true. Rest of the Serpent King and that old black magic. Um, If I suddenly took that old black magic and turned it into anything other than that, um, it would ruin it for them. And that's not fair. It would. And there's a lot of people who are very flexible about what they read in Harry Potter, as long as it's not Harry Ginny, apparently, um, who wouldn't mind a parent (laughs) change. But... um, um, there are a lot of people who there are there are a bunch of people who really aren't flexible about what they read, and you know that's there that's every fandom has people who have diehard OTPs. I hear about it all the time because since I am no respecter of OTPs, oh, I would love to read this story, but it's not my OTP. I mean, I really work double out bird. that double bird, you know. And then I'm going <laughs> to sprain my bird. middle finger, flipping people off. Um, you know, why don't you we'll like more Tony Gibbs? It's like, oh, I don't want to hear about this. I really don't. Go write your own Tony Gibbs. That's right. 
Honestly, in order for me to write Tony Gibbs, I had to give Gibbs a, a personality transplant. You yeah, might have noticed in that one thing I have written up on um, EAD that that Gibbs is com- almost completely entirely out of character. That's because in canon, Gibbs is a dick and doesn't deserve Tony. They call me a ship sinker. They call you a ship sinker? Yeah, so, well, somebody was joking. They said, they didn't call me OTP. They said, somebody said my nickname was Jilly Ship Sinker James. Wow. Funny as fuck. Own it. Own it. <laughs> I do. Put it on your banner. I think it's funny. I'm going to sink your ship. <laughs> Actually, what we're trying to do is I'm going to beam you all up to the mothership, and you're going to like it. <laughs> I think I will kill Gibbs in a pick. <laughs> they call me the OTP killer. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't actually murdered anybody in an OTP. I <laughs> just usually move Tony on. But they were joking. They said, I'm going to start calling you Jilly Ship Sinker James. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm fine. I'm all right with that. But if I, you know, I, like I said, I really, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not on board with writing um more Harry Potter in public right now. So, um that Zale novel will probably not take um t- take place on um um Rough Trade. <clears throat> so that really could, leaves could, me um what? You can make John a Grimm. Oh. They come into their Grimm abilities at a certain age, right? Is it age? Yes. You guys who are fucking still on the Sentinel tit, you can write a Sentinel AU. It would qualify as a fucking urban fantasy. I will never be over the Sentinel. Never. Keep sucking that tit, girl. Go ahead. I am going to. Until that cow (laughs) is dry, desiccated, little flopped over (laughs) bit (laughs) of... Of canon, I'm going to be there. So it's got nothing left to give. Uh, no, actually, it would not be sci-fi. Um, Sentinel's, um, Sentinel Billy's, that's on mysticism and uh, more paranormal than it is anything else. I never believed the Sentinel was science fiction. I never no, thought it's of that. I've spirit guides and, and invisible jaguars. No way that's sci-fi. Planes and shamans. That is pure urban fantasy. We're down to 60 seconds. We'll probably do a podcast tomorrow, depending on how I feel and how many Oreos I have left. <laughs> Say goodnight, Jilly. Goodnight, everyone. <clears throat> Son of a bitch. <laughs>